This is O Ship, the show where experts and leaders look back at their biggest moments of failure just so you can avoid making them. And there is no one better to squeeze the naked truth out of our charismatic guests than your host, Chameleon Collective Founding Partner, Freddie Laker. Welcome, listeners, and we're back with another fantastic episode of the O Ship Show. I'm your host, Freddie Laker, and today we have a very special guest who's an expert in navigating the fascinating world of content marketing, Skyward CEO. Andrew Wheeler. Andrew's built an impressive career focusing on developing high-performing teams and organizational infrastructure with interactive marketing arenas. Known for a strategic leadership style and personal management style, Andrew's played a pivotal role in revolutionizing the ways brands grow through content marketing. And the reality is content marketing has never been more important, but it's also never been more challenging with the growth of generative AI. So grab your favorite beverage, get cozy, and join us for an insightful and engaging chat with Andrew as we explore the challenges and trends that are shaping content marketing in 2023. And trust us, you won't want to miss this episode of O'Ship Show. Andrew, welcome to O'Ship. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm good. How are you? I'm really good. I've been excited to have you on. Obviously, as a guy who's a content creator, that's a subject that's near and dear to my heart. As a guy who's a marketer, content marketing has also been a big part of my life personally as a marketing leader. And I know it's on top of mind for a lot of the people that follow this show and that I interact with every day. So I've been dying to pick your brain on camera. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Uh-oh, exactly right. So look, I'd like to start with some of the things that maybe are directly related to where you work and what your business does. So just to help give some context to our audience, whether they're watching on any of our video channels or listening through any of audio streams, just tell us a little bit about Skyward so they have a little bit more context about your background and experience recently. Sure. So Skyward's been around for about 12 years. Originally founded on, simplest way to put it, is content for search. Helping brands win on keywords, helping brands get traffic to their site through organic search. That is really the simplest way to tell you how Skyward got its start about 12 years ago. As you can imagine, as great as search is and as foundational as it is, it was only a matter of time before we needed to pivot and help brands think a little bit more strategically beyond just getting traffic to the site, thinking about the overall user experience and ways to actually build audience, right? It's about the engagement. It's about the calls to action. What's it actually doing for your brand? So about three to four years into the maturity of Skyward, Skyward pivoted to be truly a content agency, a content solution for brands to think through content strategy, content creation, content publishing, all the way through to analytics to then be able to apply optimization back through the process. So we are a full service solution that helps brands create great content at scale. And I think throughout the rest of our conversation, we'll probably talk a little bit about what we're up to these days with respect to generative AI. Well, I'd love to just dig into, you talked about some of the methods that you guys tap into, but sometimes people refer to the world that we're living in now as the content apocalypse, you know, this kind of massive saturation of content that's out there. Some people resort to some pretty shady tactics like clickbait or just general sensationalism. God knows we see a lot of that with some of the pretty crappy media we've got out there. 
how do you guys help brands avoid those kind of tactics while still being successful? Yeah, it's a great question. We don't have a lot of brands that are set free, if you will, within our software and within our solution. So a lot of the brands that we partner with are signing up for our consulting, our guidance, our strategic support. So we're building out a thoughtful content strategy right from the start. There's no execution of content without that. It's not somebody coming to say, we need 10 articles. We need 15 assets. It's typically a brand, typically a Fortune 500, 1000 brand that says, we are trying to solve for appealing to this audience around this particular topic or pain point. And so from there, Freddie, we take ownership of all facets. So we own finding the content creators, which is a freelance network that we have. We own creating brand guidelines that we hold those content creators accountable to. The same guidelines are put in front of our editors to make sure that they are also adhering to the brand's needs. So there's there's no content for the sake of content or content that's not meaningful or content mm-hmm. that doesn't drive to a business outcome. Everything's put through these lenses and those lenses expand beyond just the guidelines and what editors and creators are looking at but it's also built into the software as gates. So um, Mm -hmm. content meets certain criteria, it's not able to be pushed forward. So it's a combination of both service and software, but with a real emphasis on what's important to the brand. Sounds like quality being a big, big part of that. I think one of the things, especially when people talk about building content for search, there's lots of tricks that people will talk about to try and be successful in search. But at the end of the day, Google's so savvy to all this. And yeah. oh, at the yeah. end of the day, they're really trying to build a system that does react well to quality. Shocker. Good idea. You know, and- it comes down to it, Freddie. Honestly, we preach practice and preach focus, right? We're not just chasing clicks and views to try to cover everything. We guide the brands on basically how to double down on key themes that tie back to their solutions and ultimately where the brand can plant a flag and drive topic ownership. Right? We want to make sure we're helping them develop a differentiated lens that ensures their coverage of those topics stand out and they can go after helping moments that really characterize their customers' unique journey, right? No two journeys. <laughs> Obviously, the concept of content marketing has been for a while now, around for a while now. When you think about maybe whether it's the influence of the last couple of years, which I think there's been a lot of transformation in terms of tactics people have been using to just, you know, in general, the constant evolution of this market. Andrew, what I'd love to hear is basically any kind of innovations like that have changed the way that content marketing have worked, you know, like the new state of content marketing in 23. Is there any new tricks or any new approaches that people are taking that are allowing people to be successful? Yeah, I think it's honestly, it's a great question. It's one that, you know, I think there's lots of opinions on depending on who you talk to. I think right now there's still misconception that content marketing is really about brand building. And I think there's a lot to talk about there and and maybe we can do a deeper dive on that later. But I think from a trend perspective, one of the things that we're seeing specifically over the past couple of years, there are more and more brands seeking out subject matter experts. You know, if you think about what the pandemic did, right, in particular, you saw a lot of brands downsizing because they had to. They had to go Mm -hmm. cut costs. And then all of a sudden they panicked because then they had to figure out how to fill these gaps. And there became this like heavier reliance on freelancers. And you saw freelance networks pop up. Mm -hmm. 
but then you started having content again created for the sake of content. And I think a, a true trend or a true change that I've seen in the past couple of years is you've really started seeing more of a shift from formal, for lack of a better way to say it, content to more human-focused content, right? Content really needs to be empathetic, relatable. Otherwise, it just doesn't resonate. It can't be a hard pitch. And I think the best content coupled with a, you know, I guess an ancillary point, mm -hmm. the best content coupled with a poor user experience is a waste. So we're also mm -hmm. seeing from a newness or a trend, even though it's been around for a long time, I think the focus is there user experience matters, right? Mm -hmm. So brands prioritizing user experience, or at least should be prioritizing it, all aspects of it, right? Because good content just stuck into a poor, you know, container is just wasteful. You mentioned a second ago, the kind of sense of great user experience, agreed, check that box. Let's assume that people get better about creating great CX for the people that visit their site. But the other side of it you talked about was, having human content, content that's empathetic and that connects with the audience, some more personal things, people that make them, you know, it doesn't feel so formulaic. I think that's an interesting contrast to obviously the rise of generative AI and the ability for these kind of AI tools to produce enormous amounts of content. And we're going to unpeel this a lot over this episode. How do you feel that generative AI stacks up on creating human content? Because it's based on data sets and you, know, you can have it write an empathetic tone. Is anything lost there? Or yeah. you know, when you think about the impact of this, can AI fill that gap? Or do you think humans need to be in the mix there? Yeah, and I'm sure you've heard this before and hopefully you agree. What I'm about to say is truly my opinion. It's Skyward's POV. It's the way that we're thinking about AI. It's the, the way that we're thinking about automation. So it truly represents our POV. But you know, I think in particular, content marketers have been seeking more AI-enabled and automated solutions for a while now. And I think we've seen the integration of some of these tools driven primarily by performance marketers and people who are looking for ways to automate things like, you know, personalization or A-B testing. Yeah, you know, great, great for Google ads and search ads right? and things like that. Yeah. But I think the recent advancements and, you know, specifically the one word we haven't used yet here today, right? The release of chat GPT. I think that's placed more focus on the role of AI in content creation. And, you know, we're embracing this tech, you know, first and foremost by automating what we call content atomization. And I'm honing in on this, Freddie, because it really addresses your comment or your question around human-created or empathetic. Mm -hmm. So to be clear, we will not use AI, ChatGPT, to create new content whole cloth. We've developed an application for OpenAI's DaVinci model that basically allows us to take instantly any source content or anchor asset, think blog, article, research, report, or even a video. So take something that already exists. It's already been approved. It's already on brand voice and tone. Mm -hmm. And then use that in the AI and adapt it for other formats, right? Personalization. Generate the copy and assets to promote it across other channels, mm -hmm. tailor it for different audiences. So essentially where brands have struggled to get all of the versions of content done, you know, at once or even in a way that's not cost prohibitive, now we can essentially create a whole ecosystem of content 
around each original piece of content they create, right? Instantly multiplies the reach that they can get. We used to do this manually. It used to cost brands a lot of money. It used to take us a lot of manual processes, but now we can do it without sacrificing the quality and allowing our brand's budgets to go further. I don't think the need to have humans involved in the content creation strategy and thinking is going to go away. It shouldn't, but we also layer in one human element on the opposite side of that too, and that is to review content before it gets published, before it gets finalized, just to ensure that nothing has falsely been introduced into the content. So it's an AI sandwich, right? You've got the content creators on one side, the AI in the middle, and then a human editor on the end. Yeah, I've talked a lot about this idea of AI being like your wingman, it's your superpower, it's a force multiplier. It's something that instead of seeing as competition, people should embrace and then use that as a way of making themselves more effective and more competitive. I think content marketers that learn how to use these technologies, instead of seeing them as a threat, can see themselves as actually creating more value for their clients. So trying to find that kind of balance is obviously really, really, really important. I'm interested to hear from your standpoint, when you start seeing how this generative AI starts impacting job opportunities in the content marketing industry, do you think there are any kind of like unexpected careers maybe that start to emerge or will emerge maybe one day as a result of all this? Yeah, I do. I think we'll quickly see some of the more written content creation tasks change right? AI's ability to develop social ad product copy, for instance, means that some of these creative roles will narrow, maybe even eventually be taken over. So the human's role becomes more about strategy and developing information to feed the AI, the better, more targeted prompts, if you will. People are talking about prompt writing being a real job now. A hundred percent, right? I think, you know, a new career has evolved, right? I think there'll be new paths. We're actively hiring right now for prompt engineers. And of course, I get folks saying, I'm not an engineer, so am I still qualified? Well, why are we using the word engineer, right? It's not all that different from where I started my career on you know, the pure SEO organic search side and helping brands think about the keywords that people would search on to find their brand. Now the prompt engineer is trying to find ways to craft unique prompts for a brand that helps surface the right content right? It's a really interesting opportunity. You know, it's this person, human, right? Whose job is to develop and systematize the prompts that will ultimately steer the AI into developing the right creative output. You're sort of honing that and just better ensuring the quality of what comes out. The thing that I look at it is there's certain types of content that gets easier and easier for these kind of generative AI technologies to work with. I love your point about using maybe core creative ideas that humans are building and then allowing it to create derivatives at scale. Super valuable because when you start dealing with personalization, there's all these little nuances from the way that people are searching or even just the landing pages and, and content you're introducing to potential customers. The more relevant it is to them, the more personalized it is to them, the more successful it's going to be, the more it's going to resonate, the higher likelihood that is there to react to it, to engage with your brand or your business or potentially to convert. Um, but then I think there's a whole another world of creative content writing that you kind of talk about like higher level human creativity. Can a generative AI come up with a 
truly insightful, you know, creative insight that isn't derivative in some way. And that isn't super clear to me yet. So from your standpoint, where do you kind of imagine the future of create human creativity, if you will? Are a certain amount of you know, uh, creatives going to be sipping cocktails on the beach while AI does all the work? Or do they have to kind of evolve into a new type of creative? I mean, if I pretended to know the answer, <laughs> you should just boot me off this podcast. <laughs> I honestly don't know. I mean, the reality is I could go into chat right now and ask it to write a 20-page fictitious story about the art of, you know, sharks taking over, right? I, I've seen it, right? So there's creativity there. But the question is, like, what's the balance of creativity and nonfiction? Right, because I think that's a lot of the brands that we work with, and we're largely B2B focused. We do work with B2C brands as well, but largely B2B. The concern really is about the introduction of false information. Hmm. So it's like, what is that role of human creativity? And we don't want to allow the AI to go too broad. As we've seen probably throughout time, right, breakthrough tech is all about finding killer applications, mm -hmm. right? And AI is an ingredient technology, not an off-the-shelf solution in and of itself. Right. It needs the right data. It needs the right training. It needs the right level of human intervention to be made truly useful. Currently, we view AI as a tool to leverage scale, the power and impact of human creativity. So it's less about focusing on replacing the creator's job in total but really about identifying the specific skills or tasks that AI can take over. That means the role of creative is still important for generating original thoughts and bringing new ideas to market, while then using AI to bring those ideas to life in new and innovative ways. I don't know if my thoughts on that will change over the course of time. I suspect it will. I think that's a perfectly sane approach to thinking about it. I want to change gears back to kind of more of a general approach to how advice you might give to marketing or business leaders that may be out there, given the rise of some of the things we just talked about a moment and just the kind of volume of content that we're all being hit with every day. If you had to have, I don't know, top three tips for brands that are trying to stay ahead of the curve of, let's just call it the kind of wild west of 2023's content marketing scene, what would they be? First and foremost, you don't want to be creating content for anything other than the user, the customer, the audience. You don't want to be creating content that is pushing your agenda and I have a little bit more to share about this. When that inevitable question comes up about my oh shit moment. Um, <laughs> you know it's coming. <laughs> I mentioned before that there's a misconception around content marketing being only about brand building. So, you know, one of the things that I would suggest as you think about this wild, wild west is to make sure that brands understand that content can be used across the entire funnel, right? From an awareness to consideration to conversion. And I don't know how you do loyalty without it. You know, brands aren't just brands, they're media companies, they're influencers. I know you wanted to shift the subject, but I would be remiss not to mention kind of the misconception that AI can be leveraged to create content whole cloth. I mentioned it before. It's, you know, making up facts, not citing sources, possibly reinforcing bias. It gets really, really important to make sure that, you know, where AI is being leveraged in content creation, especially in these times, these days, is to make sure it's being leveraged to... I guess if I had to hone it down into a few bullets here, Freddie, it would be analyze and suggest, right? So not create whole cloth, but 
you know, suggest key concepts, topics to explore. You can use it for summarizing and reformatting, which is what I kind of mentioned we're doing with here's the asset or here's the source, create a social post or email copy or video script. Personalize or optimize, right? So adjust the tone or adapt this angle. And then lastly, you know, sort of generating alternatives, right? Additional options, related imagery. So historically speaking, we'd create a piece of content for a brand and somebody on my team would have to go into a bank of, of imagery, right? Of a Shutterstock or Big Stock or Getty, find the right image to match up. They don't need to waste their time doing that, right? We can leverage the AI to suggest imagery that ties better to the content that was just created or use it to generate headline options or punch up copy. So, you know, first suggestion, think more than just brand building, of course, but also second here, you know, I know you'll use AI, you should make sure you're using it in ways that make sense and don't sort of take away from the human empathetic, you know, written component or original creation component. I'm going to take you up on my temptation to ask you for a no ship story at this point. So for those of you who may be tuning into O ship the first time, I love to be able to chat with guys like Andrew and ask them about moments in their career where maybe something went a little bit off the rails for them. Maybe a business gone wrong, a client situation gone crazy, something that really kind of, you know, kick them in the O ship. <laughs> and, so, and I'd like to figure out how they deal with these moments. And sometimes this may shape who they are as leaders. Sometimes this may change the way they do business or how they interact with other people. And sometimes maybe they're just really funny stories years later. So Andrew, with that, the floor is yours. I would love to hear an O ship story from your career and how it impacted you and how you dealt with it. Having listened to many O-Ship episodes in the past, I've heard a lot of different O-Ship stories. So I can't say that this is going to perfectly play into the types of stories you've heard before. But for me, it was the first of many that came to mind when I thought about preparing to talk to you today. So listen, I happen to be Skyward's third CEO. Our first CEO and founder served in the role for almost a decade. Our second for less than a year. It was in my seventh year, personally, my seventh year, that I was asked by our board to step into the role as a first-time CEO. So to be, wow. to be clear, to step into the role as a first-time CEO, to be the company's third CEO at the start of a pandemic, when we were facing some of the most difficult times, including running out of cash. What could go wrong? And, as if that wasn't enough while I was about a week and a half away from being a first-time dad. People say like having a business is like having a baby. So you basically, in this case, you inherited someone else's baby and you were having your own baby. I promise uh, you it wasn't, crazy. It, it wasn't oh ship that I was saying. June of 23 will mark three years for me as CEO and about a decade with a company. And That's amazing. I've survived and we've survived. But you know, the oh ship moment for me happened in phases within days of each other. That initial call from our chair asking me to step into the role, minor O-ship, but it was really the second call, which was from our lead investor who plays a very key role on the board. And he wasn't asking me whether or not I was taking the role and he wasn't trying to talk me into the role. His first question is, what's your plan? What's the strategy? I haven't accepted the role. Uh, <laughs> I but you had in his mind. <laughs> O-ship. Uh, 
And, you know, we had the conversation and then I didn't feel like I needed to answer him right then and there, but I ended up answering him right then and there. And I answered him with one word. And the one word was focus, right? Up until then, you know, despite the fact that we were in this niche of content creation, it was content strategy, content creation, content publishing, content distribution. So we were building things that other companies were popping up and best in class in, and we were still trying to build everything. And so my answer to him in short was focus, right? We need to stop doing the things that aren't core. We need to integrate and partner with those. And I could go on and on, but I know we have a finite amount of time. And and that's really how I ended the discussion around focus. And then a few days later, I was knee deep and changing diapers. And that was a whole different... Not feeling very focused. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So my story, I feel like is a little different, but... You know, here we are, Skyward, three years later, certainly not running out of cash. We've turned a profit. And, you know, I think we aspire to do a lot more than what we're doing, but we maintain that level of focus, right? We want to make it easier for brands to get their hands on great content, but not just great content, but great content that matters, resonates and builds audience, but drives business outcomes. I think there's a great lesson to be had here. And this is something that a lot of people, I think, don't take the time and energy to really focus on, no pun intended, when they're trying to build a great business or be successful at whatever their project is, just even be successful, maybe a role that they have. And it is very, very easy to get kind of dragged around by your nose or by your ear, whatever the expression is, by your boss, your clients, your customers. And yes, you should be following the lead from these people. But at the same time, you have to be able to kind of filter the noise out and focus. One of the biggest mistakes that people make is that they want to make everyone happy. So they're trying to address every single thing that they can. But we're not AI. We can't handle infinite things simultaneously. And, you know, you're far better off finding a couple of things that you can do really, really, really well than kind of doing a hundred things half-ass. And I know that may sound obvious to some people, but you'd be surprised at how many people know this and still can't manage to do it. No, so your art form isn't the knowing that focus is the right strategy. The art form is actually, in my opinion, being able to say no to people. And being able to say, I'm sorry, I can't work on this right now. I'm sorry, I will help you. I promise you I will get back to you and you need to get back to them at the time, but I'm going to finish this other thing first. And people respect that because most people aren't good at just little bits of pushing back here and there. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I was listening to one of your Oh Shit podcasts not that long ago. I think it's the one where you were interviewing Pendo founder, uh, Olson. Right. And it was like all about the product led. And he made references to when he wants to go and drive that product roadmap, do this, 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 and this. But it's like, what are you doing? Are you leading with what you think and what you believe truly or what the clients are saying and what the brands are saying and what the market's saying? And honestly, that is very much what drove me to answer my board member that day with the word focus, right? Because we did a lot a lot, a lot in building out the tech and areas that we thought would make sense in the future, largely coming from, you know, our very smart founder that had a lot of ideas about what folks would find interesting, helpful, valuable. It didn't always play out. And I think, you know, it's a valuable lesson that the dots have to be connected relative to 
what the actual users and users are going to need and want. Talk to them, right? Talk to the customer, talk to the market. But at the same time, again, quoting Todd, it can't be about who has the loudest voice or is necessarily spending the most money with you. It has to be True. what is going to be most impactful to the broader you know, base. Really I, interesting. I think that's a great takeaway. And while it may have been a crazy moment for you, I think it's a great lesson for anyone watching or listening to Oship right now. On that note, I really want to thank everyone who tunes into Oship every week. It's your support that makes these episodes possible. So one of the things you can do to support us is you know, give us a like, comment on our posts, share this episode. Any of these things you do really, really help us continue to do Oship every week. It's not something that we intend to monetize. The show's really been growing nicely, and it's because of all the support that all of you have given us. The YouTube channel is over a million views. We've got thousands of podcast subscribers. We've got thousands of YouTube subscribers. And it took a while for us to get here, but we did it because of all of you supporting us. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I really, really appreciate it. I'd love to you know, give people an opportunity, Andrew, to connect with you. What's the best way for people to find you or, or contact you if they want to get in touch? Could you just put my home address up on the screen for me? <laughs> we could do that. Trust they me. Can, Don't tempt us. We'll do it. <laughs> Don't do that. Uh, <laughs> honestly, the easiest way is just uh, Andrew at Skyward.com. Uh, my first name at Skyward.com. Oh, that's very kind of you to put the email up. We appreciate that. And uh, hopefully no one had Andrew to any spam list, please. But if you've got some great questions, ping Andrew. And you know, he's a, clearly a very bright guy. And willingness to talk to our audience is really appreciated. So thank you, Andrew. I really appreciate it. Thank you. So again, I want to thank you now for joining us. It's been a really fun episode. I love picking people like you's brain, especially on subjects that I think are so top of mind right now. You clearly have a lot of experience in the space and it's impacting your industry. Some of the things we talked about today, it's impacting your business and it's impacting your clients. I respect you immensely for just being so transparent about your feelings and point of view on many of these subjects. So thank you again. I I really appreciate it. And all of you tuning into OSHIP, thanks again for being here. We'll see you next week on OSHIP. Thanks, Andrew. See you later. Bye, everyone.